Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Welcome to episode 27 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I'm so excited for you all to hear this letter that I have. It literally moved me to tears. It is incredible. And I think a lot of you are going to um, identify with what this letter writer is struggling with, namely, trying to heal her relationship with food while experiencing binge eating disorder, but also um, experiencing health conditions like type 2 diabetes and hypertension, high cholesterol, sleep apnea. And, And honestly, this is something that I hear a lot when I talk to folks about what I do. Um, you know, I, I always tell people I help people to enjoy eating without diets and to find health while also feeling better in their own skin that they have right now. And there's a lot of pushback that I experience from that because I think many people hear that and think that's kind of giving up or passive and that, you know, if someone has a health condition like diabetes or high blood pressure, then they must restrict. And, um, for most people doing that kind of restriction that it is taught in many ways, um, 
can be more harmful long term. And so I do feel like no matter what a person's experiencing, no matter what their body shape is like, no matter what size they are, they all deserve to have a relationship with food that is kind and nourishing and not torturous. And also, I feel like it's a human right to live in a body that you can feel at home in and not feel ashamed of. So I will always work for that. And if you find that you would like more um, messages of body positivity and um, further help to cultivate your relationship with food, be sure to, to check out my website. I have a free newsletter that I send out every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. It's the only thing I ever send out. And what I like to do is I always send uh, my lat latest podcast episode and I put in there some really well thought out resources that I think could help benefit you and your relationship with food in your body. So um, I kind of let you know things that are going on, any projects I may have, which are usually pretty free, few and far between because um, mostly what I'm doing is working on this podcast and also um, seeing clients individually in my Greensboro, North Carolina office. But every once in a while, there's some interesting things going on that I like to share with you. But mostly it's sharing the podcast and then also other um, fun things that I find that I think also can further help heal your relationship with food. So like I said, it's every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time, I send it out. And so if you would like to be included on this free newsletter, um, be sure just to go to my website. It's juliedillonrd.com and you'll find a place to sign up right there. And all you need to give me is your email address. That is it. So I hope that I can find um, a way to connect with you there. But until then, let's go ahead and get to this week's letter. Dear Food, you and me, we go way back. One of my first clear memories is hiding under the kitchen table with you when I was four years old. You were always there for me, helping me to not feel all the things my parents didn't allow. We got really good at it, food. Enough that I was the topic of conversations at family reunions. That is, until I walked into the room. I knew I was different that I needed you more than my friends or my cousins, but I didn't know why. When I was eight, my parents tried to take you away in the guise of a family quote-unquote diet that was supposed to quote-unquote fix me. But you and I, food, we were tight. I learned to hide you and sneak you and get you at friends' houses. When my body started changing and I did not like it, you soothed me. When my parents' cold disdain grew to the war of divorce, you filled that hollow place inside me that screened for someone to help me. Through college and my 20s, you were my steadfast and loyal companion. Closer than any lover, you were good at keeping men away, keeping me safe. But once I entered my 30s, food, our bond started causing problems. Hypertension, fatty liver disease, gallstones, sleep apnea. I once had a doctor tell me our love caused sinus problems because my face was too fat. We cried together in my car after that appointment. Then came the big diagnosis, type 2 diabetes. I got scared, and I started looking at options to deal with you. I looked into weight loss surgery, and I'm big enough to qualify for it, but my insurance wouldn't cover it. Thank goodness, because... 
In all the exploring it, my therapist referred me to an amazing dietitian who had diagnosed me with binge eating disorder. When I was in college, our relationship scared me food, and I asked for help, but a lady in a tweed suit told me I couldn't have an eating disorder. I was too fat. I am still angry about that. Now I have a whole team of people helping me change my relationship with you. I won't lie, food. It's really hard after all this time with you. I'm really proud of every baby step I've made. I've found movement I enjoy. I'm learning to appreciate my body. My thighs are big, but they're very strong, and I can climb mountains with them. I've even learned to appreciate the comfort and help you gave me when I didn't know how to find it anywhere else. And I'm learning new, healthier ways to experience those feelings. Here's my struggle food. I know that to have a healthy relationship, I can't restrict you or count your calories. I can't assign value to you, make you good or bad. But I can't ignore the fact I have diabetes and the real damage that happens when I don't keep my blood sugar in range. Sometimes I feel like trying to recover and control my blood sugar is like walking a very thin tightrope. I don't really know if I'm doing it right. My A1C has been slowly climbing and my fasting sugars are in the high range. When I have a high sugar, I get super vigilant and end up having urges or I relapse and binge. How can I eat to control my blood sugar without the eating disorder voice in my head making it a diet? Will I ever be able to find my balance on this rope? Sincerely, finding my way out. Thank you for your letter. And I keep picturing you as a four-year-old sitting underneath the kitchen table, gathering these positive memories of safety, soothing, and possibly even dissociation from the chaos. And I'm just so glad that food protected you, that you found a way to cope with this chaos And, you know, it it sounds like you never got the chance to learn how to identify and feel your feelings and to adapt accordingly and learn ways to tolerate them, to express them. And so I'm glad that food found a way into your life and helped you to cope with that. And it does sound that like over time, you did learn some things um, about your body that it, it wasn't acceptable and develop this kind of love-hate relationship with food because it sounds like you got taught early on that food caused your body to become unacceptable. So I'm assuming you hated it. And then yet it also was the way that you were able to stay safe. So that I just want to verbalize that that just sounds so exhausting. And, um, you know, your letter was able to let me know that you're finding, um, a team to help you to gather up the pieces and sort them out. And um, I'm so thankful for that. So I hope the next few minutes as we discuss that you can maybe play this for your team and, you know, decide if these are any solutions that you guys want to use or um, anyone listening that has gone through something, something similar. I hope it also helps because, you know, letter writer, I don't know if you know this, but 
the um, eating style that you learned in response to dieting as a child, you know, you described hoarding and then binging, eating in private or eating um, fun food at friends' houses. That is the most common reaction I see from childhood dieting. Um, you know, I've I've spoken before on this podcast, and if you're new to it, you may want to check out the um, episode. I actually think it's like double zero, <laughs> but. Uh, episode zero, I talk about, um, through my own letter to food, my regrets with putting people on diets, especially children, children, because, you know, having this experience now working with people who are healing from binge eating or any kind of eating disorder, what I've been able to curate over time is this consistent experience. And, you know, many people identify with the age of four, when a lot of memories, um, positive and negative associations developed with food and that, you know, they can remember it. But um, a lot of my clients and people I've talked to over the years have been able to teach me that it was a, a lot of times in response to a diet as well. So definitely check that out if you haven't listened to it. And also um, episode five, I talk about I got a letter from a, a mother who's raising a daughter that she is noticing is probably going to be fat just like herself. And so I go through how to help a child who's in a larger body. So if you're someone that can identify because you have a child who's larger from this letter writer today, you may want to check out that episode too. But for you letter writer now, I feel like I want to apologize on behalf of all of the health professionals and medical professionals out there for the rejection that you felt and um, the weight bias that you experienced. You know, I, I, before I really got to listen enough to people who were in larger bodies and to really start to comprehend what weight bias and uh, oppression um, looked like, I did the same thing. And I, I can tell you it was always in a place of kindness and love, but that doesn't excuse it, of course. But I feel like as health professionals, um, it's always coming from a place of wanting to help. So um, in particular, uh, the tweed suit wearing professional who said that you couldn't have an eating disorder because you're fat. Um, unfortunately, that still happens today. Um, when I talk to people about what I do casually in conversation, they often will say, well, how can you work with fat people with an eating disorder? They don't have an eating disorder because they're fat. And oh my gosh, it takes a lot for me just to like not want to I don't know, just start yelling or shake them. I often will just sit on my hands to just kind of have to tolerate it. And sometimes there's teachable moments where I can acknowledge um, their bias or just, you know, help to start educating them. But sometimes it's just not the opportunity that I'm able to take. But just know that there's a lot of us who are helping to hopefully change that in the world, especially with eating disorder professionals. I think it's important to recognize that eating disorders come in every single size. And most people who have an eating disorder are in larger bodies, not the opposite. So um, I know from your letter, for many different reasons, letter writer, that you're now experiencing health problems and you've been diagnosed with binge eating disorder and it sounds like you're at this kind of crossroads, you know, should you choose healing or should you cho choose health? And something that I want to point out is that you don't have to choose one or the other, you know, choosing healing will promote health. And what's really stinks about 
the way that um, healing from a relationship with food or healing your eating disorder, rather, unfortunately, the way it's perceived and, and sort of just sits in our our brain, you know, is um, in the human brain is that healing is passive and healing is giving up. It's a weakness. And I know you didn't say that, but I feel like there's some connotations in our world right now that if you're not actively restricting your sugar intake or your calories, or if you're not going to the gym every single day and um, in a place of pain from it, then that means that you're not really working hard enough. And man, what a bunch of bullshit, really, because um, healing a relationship with food is something that takes a tremendous amount of effort. It, you have to go to so many different appointments just to do the work, which I feel like it's its own kind of full-time job. And there's lots of awareness and um, having to really think through so much in order to rewire your brain. And it's never a passive type of experience. It's uh, quite active, actually. So, um, you know, as you're making these steps forward with your team to help heal your relationship with food and to help um, move away from binge eating disorder, um, just know that you are being very active and you are actively pursuing health in a way to heal your health problems. Because if we peel back the layers from this layer, letter and what caused the problems, um, I don't believe the fat on your body caused the problems. I don't think eating sugar caused the problems. Um, if you go back through, it really was that you never were taught some skills. Um, you weren't taught how to name feelings, accept them, to tolerate them, how to feel them, and how to adapt when you feel them. And you found this coping style that helped you stay safe. But really, this this way of adapting um, by ignoring and then being ashamed is really the root of it. And it sounds like from your team with a therapist and a dietitian, that's what you all are addressing. And something that we know to be true through research is that healing um, from in binge eating disorder, you know, working through binge eating disorder and recovering from it on average takes seven to 14 years. It's not something that anyone should expect you to, you know, change in a year or less, you know, if your blood sugars are getting higher, um, or your weight isn't going down, you know, those are things that I don't think there should be an expectation right away for that to go to change. Because the health related problems from the eating disorder will eventually promote health, but it's going to be really messy until <laughs> until really, you get to a place of healing that hole that in your soul that has happened um, from that little four-year-old. And in order to do that, I feel like, you, like as you said, you can't count calories or restrict sugar. And something that's really important to point out is nutrition research will look at restricting calories or sugar in the short term and see some favorable results. Yet what they don't have right now for us is this long-term data because people aren't able to do it long-term um, and if they are some folks that can, they are in a very small minority. So for most people, 95 to 97% of the population, we cannot restrict calories, carbs, or any other kind of nutrient long term. Most people are going to experience a binge at some point. And you already know that you're someone that does experience a binge in response to restriction. So 
you know, by avoiding the restriction, you are promoting health, even if you're not seeing it in the short term affecting um, things like your blood sugar. It's something that keep the data because you're going to see it in the long term. When I work with anyone who's experiencing binge eating disorder, um, I really encourage them to keep food records and blood sugar records. And it, I, I kind of hate it in the short term because I feel like it can be really annoying. I hate keeping any kind of journal or anything like that just because it can feel tedious. But the reason why is I need... Um, I would like for you or anybody that I would work with to have data that they can use as proof later on to show, okay, maybe your blood sugars were at XYZ um, right now, but look at them a year ago and they were much higher and it's getting better. So, you know, maybe throw around that idea with your team. Maybe that's something you can do to continue to add to the arsenal of healing your relationship with food is um, instead of just looking in the short term, looking more at the long term. And, you know, the first um, little while in my career, I was a diabetes educator. Um, and, you know, a diabetes educator, those are people who, how um, oh gosh, I can't even remember now. Let's see. I think I had to have two or 3,000 uh, patient hours w- with people with diabetes. I had to pass some kind of big board exam and get so much continued education. And um, so I had that certification for five years and um, I just don't work as much with diabetes anymore. So I decided to just let it go and do more eating disorder work. But while I was working with eating or uh, with um, diabetes, rather, something that I really appreciated is that diabetes is a chronic disease. It's not something that... Um, can stay stagnant. There are some people who can find a way to slow down the progression of the disease, or maybe for a short period of time can manage the disease or don't show signs of the disease. Um, and it is chronic. So it's, it's always gonna get a little worse. And, you know, you can do every single thing like a robot would to manage it, and it would still get worse. You know, and so it's a it's a condition that needs to have an aggressive type of stance in that, you know, making sure that medication and other therapies are also being used. And something that I think is really important to address with anyone with type two diabetes who's in a larger body, um, I think it's really important to put on the table that, especially if you are trying to heal your relationship with food, is that if, if a, some healthcare provider says you need to lose weight in order to get a medication to control your diabetes, I feel like that is inappropriate and I would encourage you to get a second opinion because um, especially for you, letter writer, um, restricting anything is going to lend you, it's going to lead you down a path that's only going to make the diabetes worse in the long term. So if we look at big picture, making sure that you are... Um, you know, really combing through all the different options that you have, but also to be sure to unhook the shame that you may be feeling for this chronic condition. Because even when people do everything they're supposed to do, they also do notice that their numbers keep going higher because it is a really crappy disease. And um, so be sure to, um, I don't know, let yourself off the hook a little bit on that one. And it's it sucks because um People in fat bodies, I think, oftentimes are told that um, they have more control or they could do more about it if they just lost weight. And um, people in thinner bodies with the same blood sugar numbers that are offered medication sooner. And um, I just think that's really crappy. So um, 
yeah, I hope I, I hope I made my point on that one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, something that a lot of people got to experience when I was on my big fat fabulous life and working with Whitney Thor, um, something that she mentioned on an episode during season two was that she was afraid to have, um, you know, if she ate one certain food, I can't remember the exact food, maybe like a Starbucks coffee or something, that it would be enough to jump her into the diabetes range because at that at that point she had um, prediabetes. And something I think is really important is to make sure that we don't think of food in such a black and white way. It doesn't have that, that much power. And um, it's more the overtime experience. And so healing your relationship with food for you, letter writer, is something that over time I do believe is going to help your um, blood sugar numbers to be better managed than restriction. And, um, you know, I, I get that there's a part of you that is in a place of agreeing with me. And then there's just a part of your brain that still is set on like, but I need to be doing more. Um, but you are doing a lot. And, you know, I don't know you. I only have these words in front of me, but I have a feeling you're doing, you're doing everything you can. So, you know, before we hear from food, I would just encourage you to give yourself that patience and understanding that you are working towards healing um, from a disease that takes years for anyone to recover from. And part of what makes it so tough is that you experience this type of assault or torture from a diet and your body responded just like any other successful human would respond. And so that kind of trauma and back and forth and push and pull is going to make, it's going to take a lot of time for that to be nourished enough to be able to move forward without having to respond in that way. So I think you are one very brave woman and you, please know you are certainly not alone. There are many people who are on this same journey. And when you're struggling in those moments where you feel that kind of crosswords where you have to choose between health or healing, know there are many other women who are in the exact same spot, same fork in the road and um, continue to lean on your team and you know, trust that the wisdom your body has is going to get you there. It will get you there. And um, let's hear from food. But until then, please take care. Dear Finding My Way Out, hello again. I see you are healing and I'm so proud of the steps you've made. You are stronger, more independent, and always brave. I know you're feeling the pressure to ban me again. And please know, you don't have to torture yourself to find health and protect yourself. You don't need me either. You've been strong all along, and it's time for you to see it. I think the way to find your way out will be to grab the hands of your therapist and your dietitian and come out from under the table. The table holds your shame, your fear, and your rejection. Coming out you will see all that the world is excited to experience from you. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food Series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. 
this type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrg. Take care. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.